Good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we are talking about God's instructions for the family. And we'll be paying special attention to what God says concerning how parents are to be raising their kids. These lessons are paramount for us as we face the challenges of passing on our faith to a generation that lives in such a confused and undisciplined world. Thanks for joining us today as we seek God's wisdom to help us keep this generation from becoming the final generation. Well, one of the things that I see regularly picking my son up from school is this student driver car at the high school. And it's always a little bit fun to watch it kind of stutter a little bit as it makes its way out the drive. Reminded me of when I uh, was turning 16 and getting my driver's license. And I remember the test specifically because the instructor must have been having a good day because he got in the car. He took his coffee mug and he set it on the dash and then smirkily looked over at me and says, as long as it doesn't fall off the dash, you'll pass. Well, I had been learning on a stick shift. And there's a lot of other things that you got to keep in mind in terms of the clutch and how quickly to let that off. And with everything kind of buzzing through my brain of all the things to pay attention to, the tires squealed a little and that coffee cup went right into that guy's lap. And then I slammed on the brakes and he leaned forward and looked over at me. And I looked over at him. He said, let's try that again. Oh, there can be so many things uh, that just hard to think of in life, right? The, the complexities of everything uh, that's going on. One that is most tantamount for our need of dependency on God are all of the various ways we need his help in raising our kids. Uh, it, it, it would be nice if they came with instructions, wouldn't it? It, it? I remember that day holding my son for the first time and feeling completely unprepared. And then the more I go through life here now uh, in, in his preteen years and with, a, with a, a young daughter, again, thinking of all of those variety complexities, everything that, that we might be facing, almost wishing they came with instructions. I mean, you've got infants and toddlers and the terrible twos and then preteens and then tweens and then teens. And oh, I've entitled this message, um, Some Assembly required. And uh, it has to do specifically with the instructions that we as parents and as a community around the young people in our church need to focus on. Um, I, I think predominantly upon our ability to, to do this well will require a measure of humility on our part, not, not a, a, a quickness to hit the gas, right? And, and get, get running, um, but, but maybe just to take a step back. And without too much arrogance or pride, instead with a humility of spirit and dependency on God and prayer, seeking to find out what are those instructions? What are those very few simple things that you need to pay attention to? Well, I remember what it was when I was being taught how to drive, right? You put your hands where on the wheel? Ten and, ten and two. You keep your eyes where? Right on the road. And if anything goes wrong, you press that brake, right? Very simple. Very simple. But it's so easy how much... Extra things can distract us from just the few things. But if you just do those few things right, you're going to get to your destination. You're going to get where you need to go. It may not be as quick as you thought. It may not be as easy as you thought. But you'll get to the destination safe and in one piece if you pay attention to the few simple instructions. This message is the one that I actually really wanted to lead with in our series on the final generation. But taking time to really build that proper foundation 
uh, paying attention to, first of all, the importance of prayer. Secondly, that home between a husband and a wife, that the marriage is that number one relationship that must always take priority if your kids are going to follow you in the right path. After that, the understanding that there is a world of temptation that's out there and we need to be prepared and understanding how to equip our children in, in light of what they face. And then last week, paying attention to how the fear of the Lord is where it begins. And that's something that's more caught than taught. You have to model the fear of the Lord before uh, young people that they would understand it. Well, today we're going to look now at the instructions. Some assembly required with our kids, and we, and we need to pay attention to what those are. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to take them out. We're going to be in chapter 6, just four short verses. 1669. Page 1669 in the, in the Pew Bibles. Uh, we'll read through it and then work through uh, really two sections of commands that Paul gives here to the church. It falls under a larger section, and, and if I were preaching straight through Ephesians, I'd make sure to emphasize the nature of submission between authorities. Uh, you have, first of all, earlier in chapter 5, the nature of the husband and the wife and how that dynamic needs to work with mutual submission but looks differently between uh, the husband and the wife. And, and then this next section now, uh, with the, the next kind of form authority structure between children and parents, and how there also is a kind of mutual submission, but it looks very different between the two. But when it works the way it should, uh, the family will be grown uh, the way of God's design. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Well, uh, to begin with here, we are going to look at uh, a primary command uh, that Paul gives right off the bat. It's to the children, simply this, obey your parents. Some of you thinking today, I knew I should have brought my kid to church today. <laughs> Pastor was preaching, obey your parents, right? I thought about that sometimes. If my son's misbehaving right, I could say, ah, ah, Ephesians 6, 1, obey your parents. I'm just afraid as much as my son comes to Bible study, he might reply back, ah, Ephesians 6, 4. <laughs> Fathers don't exasperate your kids. It's true, though. Here, here is a command that's given, and commentators are almost in agreement on this, that this is not something that's given to kids like little bitty infants or toddlers. This command is given to grown children. That, guess what that means, folks? Everybody here is a child, right? And, and maybe your parents have, have passed on, but if they're still alive, you are still called by God to honor them. And the obedience factor does flow through them to God. Uh, making sure that you are aligning your spirit with God and in doing so, paying attention to honor your father and your mother. The, part of the reason we know this is because the first thing that Paul mentions here is uh, having to do with their position in Christ. He says, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, first of all, this is not a suggestion. This is written in the Greek imperative. This is a command. Uh, the word here for obey is upakuo. Uh, upo here at the beginning is a prefix that means uh, like to be underneath. And akuo, the primary verb, means to hear. So if you, if you combine that together here in the Greek thought, uh, upakuo somebody would be to listen in a way of placing yourself under their authority. That's what the word means to obey. To obey means I'm listening so as 
to put myself under the commands that are being given. And here, the position of it is in the Lord. It's according to their position. So these children are are expected here to be following under the authority already expected in the home of their parents. And in doing so, they would be coming to faith in Jesus. And if they have faith in the Lord, well, then the right thing for them to do is according to their position. This is a theme that we find really throughout the Gospels. There's one place where Jesus himself is speaking to the crowd says, Why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? Think about that for a moment. Isn't that bizarre? People who would call Jesus Lord, but they really didn't want to obey. Well, if your position is in Christ, then you as a child are called to do what to your parents? Obey. Upakuo them. To listen with the, with the intention of placing yourself under the commands that they're offering. Now, <clears throat> I do need to move on because there, there, there could be questions on this. Like, well, what do you do when your parents are telling you to do something that God wouldn't approve of? And, and there take, there's wisdom that's involved in this. And I would very quickly appeal to the book of Acts where uh, we're given a standard which says it's better to obey God than man. So make sure that you are with wisdom following along this path. But the, the expectation here is not of a, a home that's, that is in disarray, but you actually have a home <clears throat> that seeks to honor God. And because of that position in the Lord, the children are called to obey. Second of all, it's because it's right. It's just the right thing to do. Um, I'm not making that up. That's right in the text. Verse 1. Did you see it? Paul says, because this is what's right. This is what's expected. A few others here I'm going to give them quickly. Because it's commanded by God. Because obedience results in a promise. Because the promise is you will live well. And because the promise is you will have a long life. I love this, by the way. Anyone else have kids when you tell them to do something, they ask, why? Why? Well, let me give you the reason, son. I got a whole bunch of them here. First of all, it's right. This is what's expected. This is one place, very unique in the New Testament, where the, the apostolic writer by the Holy Spirit reaches back into the old and grabs one of the Ten Commandments and brings it right into play. In fact, if you were to study the, the Ten Commandments, which for confirmation class today at 3.30, that was part of our assignment, so I know all of my junior hires are prepared for this, that you see two different categories within the Ten Commandments. The first four all deal with your relationship between you and God. Thou shall have no other gods. Don't make any graven image of God. Don't take His name in and remember the Sabbath day. Right? One, two, three, and four all deal with you and God. But then five through ten are all dealing with how you relate to one another, right? Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't lie and steal and want what's your neighbor's. But the first one, if we are going to prepare people to interact in a godly way with one another, the very first one that God leads off with, number five is honor your father and mother. Look, if you get that wrong, you're going to have trouble with all the others. If you are not able to honor your father and mother and and, uh, upakuo to their commands and place yourself under. And by the way, we we live in a world that is really going to be tempting children not to do this exact command. A world that's predicated upon children and legislation being given where you can emancipate yourself from your parents because you don't want to obey them. And most of the time there's a whole mess that's going on in those families anyways. What a... It's just staggering to me to think of the world that we live in would actually be siding against God's commands. Listen, children are supposed to obey their parents. 
It's commanded. It's right. It's the fifth commandment, but the first in that category of how we learn to relate with one another. There's also a promise. If you do this, God's going to be true to his word. If there's one thing you can count on with God, he's true to his word. And if you honor your father and mother, two different uh, concepts will be given to you. One is your life is going to be ordered properly. If you listen to your parents, which is really hard for teenagers sometimes, and maybe sometimes for even those of us that are adults, if you listen to your parents, their wisdom and their experiences ought to help prepare you that your life would be lived correctly. Boy, that's hard sometimes, though. Even when kids get grown, I know some of you have older kids who are married and they themselves have kids. And sometimes he just doesn't want to listen to me or she doesn't return my calls. Or Yeah, sometimes this can still be difficult. I want you to know as a parent, there is an expectation that's seen, an implication in this. Did you see it? Very first thing, obey your, obey your parents, right? What, is that, what does that implying your parents are doing? They're, they're actually giving you instructions. If, you, if the parents aren't, aren't offering any of the wisdom, well, how can you obey them? Do you see the implication that's involved here? So all of the experience that you have had as a parent, and sometimes you've got to know when to speak up, and sometimes you have to know when to let them go through it themselves and let them face kind of their own challenges because that's exactly what God wants for them. But in doing so, you will find that that type of obedience will live to a life that's well-lived, and then secondly, a life that's, that's long. You can test God on these things. It's true in his word. That is what the Apostle Paul is doing. So there we go. That's the first command. It's given to the children within this dynamic between parents and children. Number two, the second command is uh, don't frustrate your kids. The word here, uh, uh, exasperate, is what we have in the NIV. Um, A a few other versions, if you have an old King James, might say provoke to anger. Uh, and that, that's a really good understanding of it. Um, I, I chose the word frustrate, not, not in the way that oh, I'm so frustrated, whiny, not that kind of frustration, but the kind of frustration that's like you're really overburdening them. You're putting them in a position where they don't have an answer. They don't see a way out. You're really kind of putting them under your thumb. Hey, you are commanded by God to cut that out. Now, I don't have this in my notes. But I just want to share with you that what that does is it impinges upon the title that God has given us of himself. He is called our heavenly what? Our heavenly father. And if within the home, the fathers here are being in such a way in relationship to their children to exasperate them, to frustrate them continually, what will that do to their understanding of God? Do you see? Do you see the connection here? This is primarily why this command is given to fathers for a few reasons. God expects the father to be the one who's in charge, the leader within the home. And I don't mean the breadwinner. I mean the one who is going to be held accountable for what goes on in that household. And the one to which God himself carries the the title to which we have connection. So how fathers display love and encouragement to the children will give a one-to-one connection for what they think about God. There's your command. Do not exasperate them. Don't provoke them to anger. Don't overly frustrate them. But raise them with discipline and instruction in the faith. Um, I, I have updated a few of the words here. Uh, our Bible says instruction in the Lord. Uh, what, what that means here is according to how we would understand what it means to be a Christian. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. I want to pay attention here to the first one, though. 
do not frustrate them. Again, uh, don't have them to become angry. Here's what this means. This means it involves your attitude, your words. Moms, feel free to elbow the, the guy next to you here at any point that want one of these sticks, right? Uh, actions that would drive the child to an angry disposition or resentment. And it rules out excessive or severe discipline. It rules out unreasonably harsh demands. It rules out an abuse of authority. It rules out arbitrariness, unfairness, constant nagging, condemnation, subjecting a child to humiliation, and all forms of gross insensitivity and not paying attention to your child's needs or your child's own sensibility. That's what this means, not to frustrate them. Uh, We need to be careful here as fathers that as we live, we're conducting ourselves in a manner that shows a model of what Jesus depicted for authority. If you're the head of the home, that may mean you're first. Do you know what Jesus says about the first? If you want to be first, you need to be what? You put yourself last. Yeah. And sometimes for dad, that's tough. Let me just put myself on the chair for a minute, right? So football game's on. I, all I want to do is watch the game, right? And so kick, kick the uh, recliner up, feet, uh, shoes are off, right? Um, but then I hear one hit the other and then, and then crying. And then I hear my wife's footsteps and I just turn the volume up a little bit more <laughs> on the TV. Is that the right answer? But you see, I'm going to have to sacrifice what I want to get involved. Hey, you know what Jesus did? You know what God the Father did? He sacrificed to get involved in your mess and in my mess. He could have. He could have just held his thumb right over us. Judgment. Boom. Done. But there was sacrifice that came with the one who was in authority. That's also, by the way, the pattern for the church. Church elders, church leaders. Also, if you're first, you ought to be the ones who serve and give of yourselves and stay extra and get here early. And yeah, sometimes that means sacrificing. Secondly, here's a, the, there's only two imperatives here. So don't frustrate them. Don't exasperate them. And then secondly, raise them. I want to pay attention to that command. This is another really beautiful Greek word. It's called ektrepo. Uh, the, again, two, two words there. Ek meaning out of. Uh, we like our word exit, right? Out, right? So that's the prefix. And trefo is, is a word that means to nourish or to feed. So if you combine those two words, you get this idea that what you're doing is you're drawing out of nourishment. That's what the word raise means. Uh, in, in my Bible, in the NIV, the, the verb here gets translated as bring them up. It's a really good idea. Ectrefo means to like draw up or to draw out. The picture in my mind is that of gardening. Anybody here like to garden? Right? My daughter and I, this past year, together, we planted a garden. And that was going to be our little thing together. And every week we would go out and we would see if anything sprouted yet. And we would take care of the soil. Um, we learned we have to do a better job. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> didn't quite get the produce we had hoped for. But that's okay. You live and learn. Here, here's the idea, though, is that what we need to do, and this is what we're learning, is we, can, we need to fertilize the soil better. In fact, we need to till the ground a little bit better. Because you know what will happen when you feed it? You know what will happen when you nourish it? You will draw up out of it that which is planted. That's what this word raise means. 
You and I, when it comes to raising our kids, are drawing out of the nourishment that we are putting in. And then there's two ways that that gets depicted here. The Apostle Paul says two ways to do that. First, with discipline. My Bible here says training. I think discipline is a little bit of a better word here. Uh, The original language, the word means uh, in Greek to train in accordance to the proper rules of conduct and behavior. Now, come on, you know how... You know how your kids act sometimes, right? You know how some kids act sometimes, right? Uh, Yeah, this is important that parents are the ones who are explaining, kind of setting those boundaries. Discipline is so important. A kid that does not receive discipline does not know they're loved. We have, uh, growing up at my mom's house, uh, a dog who's a bird dog. And if that dog got wind of a bird, that dog's going to go chase that bird uh, to its detriment, because it will go naturally in a direction that's unhealthy for it. And so we put a little collar and a fence or, or one of those electric fences, you know, the kind that beeps and it warns the dog, hey, there's a boundary here. Why? Why, why do you do that? Because you're wanting to protect them. Because you love them. The Bible says that if, you, if you're not disciplining, this is in Proverbs, if you don't discipline your child, it's like you hate them. A parent who won't discipline hates them. The Bible also says, <clears throat> book of Hebrews, that God disciplines us for our good, for he disciplines the children whom he loves. Yeah, discipline is needed. It's an essential component of the nourishment to which you would trepo or that you would draw up out in raising your children. For Sadie and I, this looked like picking weeds. You all planted gardens, right? Sometimes you've got the thing that you planted and that you're looking to have grow, but then the world decided, I'm going to plant some of my own seeds in there too. And you get these more fast-growing weeds that if you don't pull them, you know what they'll do to the seed? They'll choke out the life. They'll steal the nourishment that is there. Be very aware, church. The schools and the peer relationships and the paradigm of entertainment and materialism and the screens that they watch. This, again, is not in my sermon either. I probably shouldn't even say it, but uh, my son was watching Super Bowl with Emily and I. Maybe some of you know where this is going. I had to apologize, have a conversation with my son as to what he saw in the middle of that game. The world around us is planting seeds. And those seeds are going to grow up. Do you know how you, do you, know how you get, get the plant that you want to grow? You've got to pull those weeds up. And that's, that's what I see going on here with discipline. That is a necessary component in our ability to make sure we do not perpetuate a final generation in church. But we pass on the faith effectively to them. Which brings me to my second one here, um, which is instruction. Instruction, however, is not just left by itself. Again, if you read it in the Bible, it says training and instruction of the Lord. This is particular instruction. And this is the place where I think, I I really feel like most Christians fail. This is the place where I'm seeking to make change. This is why we're going through this whole thing. Is that there are far too many dads, even dads who are in the home, but they do not take the lead when it comes on instruction in the faith. They have, like many other things in the home, recounted that task to who? To mom. And mom is the one who, in caring and nourishing for them in so many ways, and, and by the way, there, there's a good give and take on this. I don't want to just make everybody feel bad, just everybody guilty, but I definitely want to say, you got to be true to God's word here. Fathers, don't frustrate them, but do what? 
discipline and train them in the faith. When, when Sadie and I were planting the garden, we noticed the, the tomato plants that we have. As they started to grow little green tomatoes, they started to do this. Right? They started to bend under the weight of the fruit that was going to be there. The fruit wasn't ready yet. And so what we needed to do was we needed to take a stake and pound it in right next to the roots and put little twist ties around the plant so that we would help it continue to grow in the direction that it should. That's what instruction is. Instruction in the faith. This is what it means to be a Christian. These are the values. These are the behaviors that accompany sound doctrine according to an obedience and humility of the fear of the Lord. And you, you dads, fathers, you have been the ones commanded to take the lead on this. All right. A couple of conclusions to wrap this up. Just four things that I see from this passage. Number one, God's commands are the source of family instruction. You don't got to watch Oprah or The View or I don't know what you watch, right? You, you don't need to get any extra books on your shelf. God's commands are the source for family instruction. In fact, we already heard it this morning. Let me just remind you of our Old Testament passage, Deuteronomy 11. I want, I want, you, to re, I want you to read through this again. I want you to hear it in the concept of looking for God's commands as a source. Here's what he says. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Is there anything that you can do in this life without your forehead? You carry it everywhere you go. And pretty much everything you do, you're doing with your hands. This is God's illustration. You, he, he wants these commands of his to be so regular in your life that they're right in front of you. And they're right there always on your hands. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, and when you lie down, when you get up. Is there anything he left out? That about covers it. When you're at home and when you're away from home. When you're about to go to bed and right when you wake up. Write them on the door frames of your house. Anyone climbing in through the window? Nope. Right there. Are you seeing this? It's got to be everywhere. It's to saturate. Because God would understand you're going you're gonna to grow up in a world that's going to be against these things. You need the continual, intentional reminder of that everywhere you turn. Here's why. So that your days and the days of your children may be in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. As many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. <clears throat> uh, Jewish people failed. If you, if you were their teacher, you put a big fat red F on the report card for this. They failed at this. In, in fact, they wanted, in many ways, to take the easy way out and taught maybe a form of legalism. Boy, again, this is not right in my notes, but let me just tell you, you need to, as parents and as grandparents, you need to speak for transformation of the heart and not just external, external conformity. You guys know what I mean by that? Let me ask you a question. Can you get a child to stand up straight and be seen and not heard? Oh, yes, you can. For sure you can. You beat them over the head long enough with whatever kind of command you want, you'll be frustrating them, but you will have succeeded on external conformity. They'll see you coming and they will, they'll tidy things up. But you will not have touched the heart. We need to seek as parents, as grandparents, as a church, to focus on the heart transformation that comes from submitting to God's will and not our own. And that begins with how we interact with God. Again, this is something that's modeled. So, number one, God's commands are the source for family instruction. Number two, you're raising adults. 
Think about that for a moment. Well, it's tough raising kids. You know what's tougher? Turning them into adults. Because that's the goal. The goal isn't to keep them as little diaper-laden wanderer toddlers, right? The goal here is to one day have them to become full-fledged functioning members of the community of God. And within their world, secondarily after that. You're not raising children. You're seeking to raise adults. And so think to the, the, the types of things that you would enforce, the type of things that you would value. Focusing not on when, you know, the 4-year-old or the 13 or 12-year-old, but focusing on the 18-year-old, the 25-year-old, the 30-year-old. In fact, I heard one very wise pastor once say, when you speak to your children, you're whispering to your grandchildren. Think about that. When, when you speak and instruct them, there's an echo that will carry down to how they will one day raise their kids. Here's a helpful verse in this, Proverbs 22, 6. Train a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not turn from it. The entirety of this proverb is not designed upon what's happening when they're young. You're supposed to train them when they're young. Why? Because you're raising them to be old one day. We're seeking to raise adults. I saw this kid in the store the other day just screaming, just... Mom was doing nothing. That's why I don't go shopping, you know. (laughs) Listen, that little kid getting spoiled, having whatever he or she wants with no discipline or instruction from the parent, that kid's going to grow up to be that that adult that's tailing me on the highway now, right? That's what that kid will turn out to be. That kid will be the one who turns out griping and complaining about other people. Why? Because those little weeds that were sown when they were little were not pulled out. And they grew into these vines festering so that the fruit can't be made any longer. All right, you with me on this? Raising adults? Okay. Number three, instruction begins and belongs in the home. Instruction begins and belongs in the home. And I forgot it this morning. I was going to bring with me. You're just going to have to trust me or look it up on on yourself. Uh, You've all heard of uh, confirmation or catechism. You've heard of those two terms. Uh, They really find root in the Protestant church with Martin Luther. Martin Luther was traveling around to churches, and what he discovered is the leadership were so woeful, uh, underprepared. They, they didn't even know what the, God's Word should have been teaching. So he wrote what's called uh, a shorter catechism, Luther's Shorter Catechism. And confirmation classes come that you would read these. Find one, because I forgot one today. But if you open up to page one, it says... To be read by the head of the house in the home. And then you go to the next section uh, uh, on baptism and it says, To be read by the head of the house in the home. And then you flip to the next page, it has to do with the Ten Commandments, and it says, To be read by the head of the house. Guess where? In the home. But you know what churches have done? Don't know when we started to do this. Was we stopped doing it at home and we paid a professional pastor to do it. And that that disjunct that outsourcing of the work will make it such that your kids won't follow the pattern even if they catch it at church they will lose it by the time they get home because it's not modeled there instruction begins and belongs in the home here's our new testament reading let me remind you of this one second timothy but as for you timothy continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know these things from whom you've learned it and how from from when From infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. 
Uh, Lois and Eunice, they, those were the two uh, loving mother and grandmother here over Timothy's life. When were these two women teaching little Timothy? They didn't wait for confirmation age. They didn't wait till junior high. They weren't outsourcing this to the synagogue. It was, it was right in home. From infancy, these things were being taught. Because instruction begins and belongs in the home. This is why for confirmation classes, I'm requiring the parents to come. I, I can't do it. I can't stand before God in terms of being accountable for how this church was run by saying, I just perpetuated the same type of false uh, uh, pacification of, of training. So doing what we always do that doesn't work. I told you the other pastor who I was talking to, he said of his entire class of con- confirm, what, what do you call us? Confirmants? People who have been confirmed, right? He is the only one left in church. None of the rest of them are. It's because they didn't do this. Instruction wasn't at home. It didn't stay in the home. All right, number four. Instruction is the responsibility of both parents. But fathers are expected to lead. Uh, if you think, think that was a one-off in Ephesians, I have this passage for you in Colossians. Colossians 3, 20 and 21. Children, obey your parents and everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't embitter your children or they will become discouraged. You see once again that that expectation for the the head of the home, this leader within the home, is to be the one who takes that expectation upon himself. Um, I did a little research and uh, you would not believe the increase of fatherless homes today. Here's one of the uh, website after website, research paper after research paper. Here's what they've concluded. If you have fatherless homes, and the reason why this passage is so important is because it shows the importance of having that dad at home taking the lead. But far more, the destructive nature if that dad is gone. Kids are more likely to be suspended and expelled from school from single family homes where there is no dad. They have attachment issues. They end up with child abuse. Childhood obesity is on the rise in these homes where there is no father. Uh, There's an increase in crime, and that's juvenile crime. Of the statistics they looked at, there was no difference in juvenile crime between little boys and girls. That, That was same. There was no difference in juvenile crime with respect to cultural norms, black or white. Do you know what the difference was? Did they have a dad in the home or did they not have a dad in the home? Because if you had the dad in the home, these kids weren't involved. But if there was no dad there, so much more likely for these kids to be involved in crime. Uh, There's an increase in gang involvement. There's an increase in mental health issues. There's poor school performance. It leads these kids who grew up without fathers lead to poverty and homelessness. And number one was substance abuse. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking... I'm, I, didn't, I didn't leave my wife, right? I'm, 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 in, I'm in the home. Are you spiritually, spiritually taking the lead? Or are you just as, though you weren't there, just as absent from not being there? And now look, the reality in our world is sometimes you have single family homes. That happens. Where are they going to find, where, where are those children going to find healthy male role models in their life? What, Craigslist? Is that what you said? No, Where? The church. So if you're here this morning thinking, well, my kids are grown and it's a good sermon for those young. Yeah, get them young families. Listen, 
This applies to all of us. You have a role to play in every one of these kids' homes. Um, I was just looking at charts. I don't have it up here. But if I were to show you the graph of the increase of the rise of fatherless homes, it one-for-one patterns the decrease of church attendance. Isn't that interesting? As there are more homes without dads, guess what? There's less families in church. And it will lead to one final generation. And then that's it. So what do we do with this? I only have one point of application. It's simply this. With humility, we need to refocus our efforts to God's simple commands. With humility. Not like stepping on the gas when the coffee mug's there, right? You're going to get in trouble, right? We need, to, we need to ask God's help with this. We need to slow down. And we need to pay attention to those simple things. Ten and two, right? How, how many commands did you get from Ephesians? There were only three of them. Children need to, and fathers need to raise up the children. Right? Raise them up with discipline and instruction. That's simple, isn't it? This ain't complicated. You can get this. Because here's the reality. Is it dangerous to send a 16-year-old on the road? Is that dangerous? You know what's more dangerous? Bringing a child into the world. They are on a road right now that will either lead them to heaven or to hell. That's far more dangerous. And we need to be equipped and ready for it. You guys with me? Amen? Amen. Let's pray.